evidence and answers. Are psychology and theology incompatible? Should a Christian seek the help of a Christian psychologist? Or is that compromising with the wisdom of this world? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with your host, Dr. Pat Zucrin. Pat is a scholar, author, speaker, and teacher specializing in apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today's show and other resources are available on his website at evidenceandanswers.org. We invite you to go there for valuable tools that will equip you to engage your world for Christ. Now let's join Pat and his special guest, Dr. Brian Misaka, as they bring clarity and biblical teaching to this issue of psychology and theology. I'm here with my guest, Dr. Brian Misaka. He's a trained professional Christian counselor here. He's been practicing for over 20 years here in the state of Hawaii. Dr. Brian Misaka has a Bachelor's of Science from the University of Washington, a degree from Moody Bible Institute, a Master's and Doctorate from Rosemead School of Psychology at Biola University, along with several theology classes you take in that program there. So here's a man who has paid his due, and if you were listening to us on our last show, a man who is passionate not only about psychology and bringing healing, but also about God and God's Word and the people of God and the ministry of the church. So, Brian, good to have you back on the show. Thank you, Pat. Good to be here. Brian, we talked a lot about last week, psychology and theology, Christian theology. Are they enemies or allies? And briefly, you know, summarize your position that you stated last week. I definitely think they're allies because we can draw off the science of psychology to help us in marriages, to help us to minister to people who are depressed and anxious, psychotic, children, parenting. There's so many different issues that we can expand upon. Many different discoveries in psychology has helped the body of Christ and has helped many Christian couples to stave off divorce and I think that's the ministry of God. And give us just a few examples of discoveries in psychology that has helped in this whole area of Christian ministry and understanding God's Word. A real simple one is some research by Dr. John Gottman at the University of Washington. And he says that once your blood pressure hits about 100 beats per minute, your heart rate is at about 100 beats per minute, that it's harder to think through when you're that angry. And most conflicts after that point digress and it's not worth fighting. And so even a physiological fact like that can give us feedback on, you know, I need to take some time out here and this is not gonna be productive and that's what I have to do with my own wife at times we've done that where it's like honey I can't talk to you anymore because I might say something bad and so the best I can do is to to take a break take a time out and so these different techniques and these different facts help us to better our marriages so that we don't keep going and say, well, you know, we got to hurry up because the sun is going down. And so we got to hurry up and finish this fight. Oh, oh, oh it's sunset. Oh, we got to, you know. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think it's a great principle in Scripture to fix something in a timely manner. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I'm not knocking that. But I don't think it's a literal thing where you have to literally finish an argument before the sun sets. And so 
Psychology just kind of expounds and expands on different concepts in the Bible, and we always have to go to biblical principles for the ultimate truth there. Yeah, you know, last week we talked about how God reveals truth in two ways, special revelation through His Word, which is the inspired, inerrant Word of God, which is the authority in all truth. And then He also reveals Himself, Romans chapter 1, through general revelation, through creation, and through many of the sciences like psychology. He reveals tremendous truth that really complement and expand and give insight to the teaching in his word and here psychology here is one of those fields we feel can bring insight into God's word and especially applying God's word in special situations here well Brian I've heard a lot of sermons where pastors will preach all we need is the Bible we don't need anything else we don't need a psychologist what do you have to say to that kind of teaching well I think we have to have grace we have to have compassion on those who are suffering and if we're giving them bible verses and they continue to be depressed if they continue to be psychotic if they continue to be anxious if they're getting divorced then we got to ask ourselves you know lord is this really the best i can give them you know or should i really try and reach out for professional help in this realm to help these people. You know, I've, I've counseled pastors and, you know, they really appreciate the ability to come and come to a safe place and, and really share what they really think because it's all confidential. And pastors need to be ministered to also. And so I would like to get to know that pastor, get to know that person, and I would love for them to get to know me and hear my heart and see what I have to say. Instead of just saying, well, because he's a psychologist, then he has no use for me. Some people feel that way about chiropractors. I kind of felt that way about chiropractors. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ah, boy, these guys quacks or what? And then I hurt my back. (laughs) And I said, okay, traditional methods are not working. Let me go try this. And bang, bang, he cracks my back. And it's like, wow. I don't fully understand what he did, but it sure feels good. And so can't medically explain what happens with a chiropractor, but I, I believe it works. You know, Brian, there are some who believe that any kind of psychological disorder is a sin. You know, if you, I've heard sermons where people say, if you're depressed, it's always because of sin. So you need to memorize these verses and break out of it. Uh, that's really too simplistic of approach, yes. isn't it? I mean, the problem may be much, much deeper, and it's not always a sin to be depressed. I mean, if I lose someone I love, I'd better be depressed yes. and things. So, and I see that often discouraging Christians from seeking professional counseling because they think, well, if I'm depressed, I'm, I'm in sin kind of things. What do you have to say to that kind of misunderstanding that many Christians have here? If you take an example again of somebody who's abused. Say they grew up in an alcoholic home and and they're called stupid and they're beaten and they're ridiculed and they see their mother beaten and they're called worthless and all kinds of other names we can't say on air. That's going to lead to a person who's depressed eventually or very, very angry. So very, very angry people can be very depressed also in a different form. And so it could be very well sin. But it's the sin of the father in that case against the son and against his family. Every sin causes death. 
And so there was a death that was caused or several aspects of death that was, were caused by those sins. And so it's an accumulation of these deaths. And so uh, one way I describe it to people is you got to have many, many funerals to grieve those losses mm, and wow. realize how much those words pierced you, those words hurt you. I'm sure everyone in the audience can relate to having someone speak something to them and it cutting them and hurting them. And to say, wow, it could have caused anger, cause it could have caused hurt, it could have caused embarrassment, because it could have caused shame, rejection. It, it's powerful. Words can be really powerful, especially if it's from someone that we really respect or care about, like our parents or teachers or our friends. And so I agree with you to just say being depressed is sinful is too simplistic. And it's really that person standing in judgment of this other person. And we're taught not to judge each other by Jesus himself. Mm. Well, Brian, there's several different schools of psychology. We hear psychotherapy, relative therapy, cognitive therapy. Tell us, what are the more popular methods in psychology and a little bit about them, maybe the pros and the cons mm -hmm. of these particular approaches here? I think cognitive psychology is very useful because it focuses on the way that we think. If I think everybody's always against me and I, I never get a break in life and I'm so stupid, those are very extreme thoughts. Solomon told us to avoid all extremes because these extremes will stir up very strong feelings, in this case very strong negative feelings, negative feelings about ourselves. And so you can have very negative self-esteem and you can have depression based on the way that you perceive the world and the thoughts that you're thinking. And so the Bible tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, making it new again. The Bible teaches us to take every thought captive. The Bible tells us that a wise man gives thought to his ways. And so if we can take these thoughts captive, like in cognitive psych, writing them down, identifying different distortions like that's all or nothing thinking, that's an overgeneralization, that's uh, a magnification, there's many different cognitive distortions, then it can help modify our thinking like, yes, I got a bad break here, but that doesn't mean everybody's against me or God is against me. I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to keep trying, and I'm going to keep asking for God's help in this. That's a much more modified version of, oh man, everything's against me, it never goes my way. Mm. See, the person who's depressed will tend to have very extreme negative thoughts like that. So that's a significant contribution of cognitive psychology. Behaviorism is focused on behaviors. If you think about pets at home, you know, the, the Bible doesn't teach us how to potty train a pet, house train a pet. And so you use successive approximations. You reward the pet when it's pooping in a certain place. And you use these uh, training dolphins at Sea Life Park, different, any kind of animal training, training with tension deficit disorder token systems. These are all focused on successive approximations, small changes in behavior aiming towards a more healthy target behavior. Alcoholism. There's mm -hmm. behavioral techniques to, to stay sober. And so behaviorism has contributed a lot to psychology and I believe it can contribute to 
Christian psychology also. Uh, the more controversial ones, psychodynamic, psychoanalysis with uh, Freud, good old Freud. He spoke of humans being driven by certain forces, basic drives like a sexual drive and a, an aggressive drive. He later changed it to a life drive and a death drive. The more common teaching is uh, aggression and, and, and sexual drives. And if you think about like the sinful nature, the sinful nature is based on the pleasure principle. You know, we want satisfaction for self. We want to be satisfied. We want a quick solution. America is famous for a microwave society and wanting quick solutions. And so in that sense, Freud came up with something that was very good, I think. He also brought up id, ego, and superego. The ego is the part of us that will try and have self-control, try and manage, try and steward the impulses of the id, and to try and balance the harshness of the superego. And so if you try to integrate Christianity with um, psychoanalysis, the superego would be like the conscience in Scripture. The ego would be like ourself and the id would be like the sinful nature. And so there are things w which Freud taught that I disagree with, and we have to be careful with his secular basis and his humanistic basis, even atheistic. But there's certain things that can be integrated. And so that's the approach I take is I'll try to look at a theory and say, okay, this can fit with this biblical principle taking every thought captive, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Freud's theory, the id being like the sinful nature uh, that really fits with the flesh. And so I'll pick and choose what I would like from psychology. Instead of letting psychology dominate my thinking, I'll let the Bible dominate my thinking and I'll pick and choose what is best from psychology. I see now. You know, if I go into a counselor, well, most of them have basically one approach, you know, relative therapy, behaviorist therapy, cognitive therapy, and is it wise to, to sit down with them and say, well, what approach are you going to take here? Yeah, or, it's very wise to ask them um, what their approach is. Like, there could be some Christian counselors who won't pray with you, and mm -hmm. some who say, you I've know, had a few of those, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm a Christian and, you know, but I try to keep it separate. I've heard people talk like that. So you're going to get a continuum of Christian psychologists, and each one is going to have their own take. I think I'm one of the most conservative out there, to, to be honest, and I'll pray with anybody who wants me to pray with them. So I'll pray with 90-something percent of my clients. Some non-Christians don't want prayer, and I won't force it on them. I'll just pray silently, you know. Right. <laughs> but I'll pray anyway for them. So I'm one of the more conservative ones, and you'll have your continuum of different levels of faith. So it's, it's always good to ask questions and ask them how they practice and what they believe. And, you know, the, generally cognitive psych is pretty safe. And I have a psychodynamic bent, which is based on psychological development. You know, the Bible talks about a new believer needing milk like a baby and more mature believers needing meat so that they can chew on that. And so there's a developmental process that Jesus takes us through from birth, being born again, to being a mature believer.
And so you take that same developmental model and you apply that to the birth of the self and the development of the self and how that interacts with relationships. You can do the same thing with a marriage. This is the birth of a marriage. You get married on this particular day and how do you guys steward that? How do you guys steward each other's feelings and needs? How do you understand each other? Are you guys maturing in love for each other and how you treat each other? Or are you guys digressing and operating more on the flesh because you got more ammo over the years and blast people and rationalize divorce and rationalize sinful behavior. And so the developmental model, I believe, is really important for people to understand. John Townsend, Henry Cloud, doctors Townsend and Cloud do some really good stuff in how people grow in the book Boundaries. They were my mentor's bosses for several years back in California. John Townsend has a THM from um, Dallas Theological Seminary, and we all worked for Minerth and Meyer Clinics, as you're familiar with, Frank Minerth. Well, so if I'm a couple or an individual looking for a Christian counselor, and that's our approach here, we believe that if you go in for counseling, you should be with a Christian counselor. As we talked about last week, there's a huge difference between Christian counseling and regular or secular counseling. But what are some things I'm looking for? And, you know, if I have a session or two and I really don't feel comfortable, you know, should I keep going? What, what should I do here? That thing you just mentioned, comfort level, is, is huge. It's just like driving a new car, a used car. You want to find the car that you're going to feel comfortable in, in that seat, in the, the viewing position. And it's the same thing with a, a therapist. You want to feel comfortable with their knowledge of psychology, their knowledge of theology, and their approach to how they will do therapy with you. And so not everyone feels comfortable with me. You know, some people think I, I talk about God too much. <laughs> you know, some, mm-hmm. you know, and you have uh, one person that's conservative and one person that doesn't go to church and that person doesn't want to hear me, that person doesn't want prayer. And so, you know, it really depends on, on the couple and, and what they're looking for. Now, Brian, uh, talk to the person out there who is the student who's looking to major in psychology. Uh, I teach a lot of young people, and a lot of them want to go into this field. And unfortunately, if I talk to several in the audience who've walked away from Christianity mm. as a result of going through schools of psychology, mm. uh, tell us, what advice would you be giving to a student looking to major in psychology or go into this field? You know, they do have to guard their heart, just like I did because with our universities as they are nowadays they're they're very liberal in their thinking and the bible is not held with a great deal of respect you know we're thought of very negatively as christians and so in the field of psychology they'll run into that kind of prejudice also where secular psychologists may look at a a christian and, and look down on them or think less of them so they have to be very careful in their studies and I would consider doing what I do in terms of having your strong basis in theology and the worldview, being strongly conservative Christian, and to for you to pick and choose from psychology what you want to receive. Some psychologists will say there's no God. Obviously, you're going to say, I, I reject that person. But God still made that person, and, and general revelation is still available to that person. Like an Albert Ellis was a real 
kind of an ornery man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But his rational emotive therapy, there was some genius in what he was teaching. He would also try and rationalize away guilt. So he says you can have a guilt-free life without really addressing sin. And so obviously you say, well, that's not biblical. And so I'm going to reject that part of Albert Ellis. So that's what I would do. Say go in with caution, but be open to understanding and learning and applying biblical principles. Yeah, you know, Brian, you bring up a good point. I, I listened to Dr. Phil and Dr. Laura now, I don't know Dr. Phil's worldview, but I know Dr. Laura. I don't think she, I'm pretty sure she's not a believer. But there's a lot of truth that comes out of their mm-hmm. counseling. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, the Christian has to master the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's something you did. You took a year off and went to Moody mm-hmm. Bible Institute before you went to graduate work in psychology. The Christian student has to master the Bible and also be able to filter what they're learning through God's Word as they go through not only psychology, but psychiatry, medicine, science, literature, whatever Mm -hmm. they may major in. Absolutely. I mean, if you just look at the media, you watch CNN, you can hear such liberal bias. And even just filtering what you hear on CNN, you have to have a strong Christian worldview to say, wow, these guys are, you know, really anti-God and anti-expression of God. And Mm -hmm. so same thing in any field. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Brian... You know, in the church, there's a lot of hurting people. A lot of us come to church, not because we have it all together, but because, man, we're hurting and Mm -hmm. we're looking for an answer. And and this guy claims to have wisdom from God, and so we're coming here to listen. And even though many of us accept Christ, we still have a lot of issues there. Why is it so many Christians you feel don't go and seek professional help, like people from you? Part of it is shame. They feel ashamed. They feel like they should have it all together, and it's embarrassing to go seek out a professional. There's this stigma of, man, you know, what if people see me in the waiting room and they think I need a psychologist or a shrink, and they'll use derogatory terms like that because it's hard for them to face things like this. But if you really think about it, God commands us to be humble. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And humility is a place of freedom because we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to worry about what other people think about us. We, 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 we can confess our weaknesses. We can boast about our weaknesses. And if we have that kind of a atmosphere in church, that kind of atmosphere on the radio, on TV, we can change the world because people can go, wow, you know, it's okay for me to to be myself and we can get help for this kind of stuff, you know? So a lot of people will stay away because of those factors. Another factor would be pride, you know? No, I don't need that, you know? I'm not crazy. Only crazy people need that. And so they can push away and deny their own need for help until it's too late. Yeah, you know, and it's also kind of a fearful thing to be exposed like that get yeah. the mirror turned on you mm-hmm. as the bible says you know look at the speck in your eye before yeah. you pull the log out. well a lot of guys don't want to look at the speck in their own eye and it's kind of a threatening thing to see all the flaws that you have and have yeah. them pointed out by an individual what you're talking about well yeah. what would you say to that person who kind of feels threatened here kind of frightened by what he may have to go through yeah again it's it's a safe atmosphere 
It's confidential, so no one will hear a peep of what has gone on in there. You're with a trained professional and hopefully a Christian professional to boot. And, you know, he, he or she is not going to talk to anybody about it. It's natural to be anxious about it. When I went in for my own counseling, I remember my very first counseling session, it was, I was anxious. And the guy just told me, you know, just relax and just, just talk to me, you know? And it was, that was comforting. It's like, okay, wow, okay, let me just take a few breaths and, 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 and just talk here. And mm-hmm. so it is a risk. It is a leap of faith. And for anyone who's confided in anyone on a very sincere and very vulnerable level, they know that God blesses that. You know, where two or three are gathered, I'm in their midst. And so God works in those really, really tiny groups of people, two or three. Jesus is right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, as we have to bring the show to an end, for someone who is out there wondering, well, how do I proceed now? I I feel I'd want to go get some professional help here, but I'd like to be a Christian counselor. What's some practical steps they can take here, Brian? Okay. You can go to Focus on the Families website and get a referral from them. You can go to Meyer Clinics. Meyer Clinics has clinics throughout the nation. Here in Hawaii, you, you can give me a call at the Misaka Clinic. Olaho Clinic has several Christian psychologists over there with George Rhodes. All else fails, just Google Christian psychologist, Christian therapist on Google and the state that you're in and you can find a list of therapists. What I would recommend is going to see two or three therapists, like trying out um, new cars, and seeing which one you feel most comfortable with, and you can ask them all the questions you want. And then the one you feel most comfortable with, then you go and have a few sessions with them and see if it goes well. And if it goes well, you continue. If it doesn't go well, you got a couple other names already. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah, and hopefully you can go see your pastor, and hopefully he will have names of some professionals like Brian and others. And and if he doesn't, then, yeah, the website's a great resource, so you can call Dr. Brian at his uh, office as well. Well, it's been a great show. I hope it's brought some understanding to you for the field of psychology and theology. They are not necessarily enemies. They can be allies professional counselors like Brian and James Dobson and others can be a great asset in the ministry and life and health of the church. So Brian, I want to thank you for being here with us these past two weeks. Oh. And may God continue to bless your work as you serve him and bring healing to individuals and families. Thank you so much, Pat. Pleasure to be here. This concludes our series on psychology and theology. Thank you for joining us today on Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zukrin. This interview with Dr. Brian Misaka is available at evidenceandanswers.org. Not only will you find this interview, but a host of other interviews and resources from top Christian scholars. Remember, that's evidenceandanswers.org. Pat serves on staff of Probe Ministries, and his ministry is supported by your donations. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider partnering with Pat and supporting his work with a generous donation at evidenceandanswers.org. We want to thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again next week for more of Evidence and Answers. Answers.